Can you guess which country in the world is the largest exporter of tea? Can you guess? If you guessed Kenya, you're right. From black tea to green tea and now an incredibly delicious purple tea that has more antioxidants than any other type of tea and only 40% of the caffeine, Kenya provides tea drinkers with tea all over the world. But much of the tea industry is full of farms who are using exploitative labor. And my guest today is trying to change that. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who's trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Paul Bain, the tea captain of Just Tea, a tea company that represents a family tea partnership with small-scale Kenyan tea farmers. Paul has traveled from Vancouver to Nandy Hills every year for the past seven years. Kenya is the country he has spent the most time in besides Canada, and in many ways, it feels like home to him. Paul's energized by working directly with small-scale farmers in Kenya living with them on the tea gardens and processing tea together. He's so passionate about connecting you back to the farmer who made your cup of tea possible. Farmers like Boaz, Jamila, and Emmanuel. I personally have such a love for Kenya and have actually been to some of the tea farms there. So this was a really fun episode for me and a great conversation, and I know you'll love it too. So without further ado, on to my chat with Paul. Paul, all the way from Vancouver, Canada. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Thank you. How are you? I am fantastic, and I am so thankful to have you on the show. I think you might be um, one of only a few Canadians that I have had on the show. So um, how's everything going up there? Like, Is it, is it freezing yet? It's, uh, it's not freezing yet, but we did just have our federal election. Uh, well, we did when this podcast was when we were talking right now <laughs> um, and uh and it, it went uh, it went really well it wasn't nearly as exciting as uh, what you guys go through down in the u.s but, ah. um, but it was a good one <laughs> exciting is a word for it uh <laughs> <laughs> um well i you know when when you and i first connected i guess it was like early last summer, like maybe even the spring. Um, I just knew that I wanted to have you on the show because uh, for a couple reasons, um, I think you're awesome. Um, But two, um, we obviously we both share a passion and a love for the country of Kenya. And you are actually the first person in, I mean, like a hundred and almost 180 episodes, 180 different people where you are like one of the first people I've had on to talk about fair trade tea. And when we talk about ethical businesses and we talk about, you know, all these different kind of pillars of fair trade, you know, one of the most common things I think 
that people usually think of when they think of fair trade is coffee, chocolate, and tea. And um, I haven't had a tea person on. And I just knew that this was going to be a really fun conversation because, you know, when people think like, oh, you're going to talk about tea, um, it's so much more than that. And I just love what Just Tea is doing. And so I am really looking forward to hearing your story. So... With that being said, I want you to uh, give us the Paul 101. Tell us who you are and your background and how you got involved with Just Tea. Definitely. Um, so it's myself and my wife. It's our family business. We have a little three-year-old daughter named Cleo. Shout out to Cleo. Which Who's going to be listening to this. I have to say, um, I so when I was looking at your website, I love that Cleo's title on the website is assistant to the regional manager. So that's like a uh, deep, deep cut office reference. I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I can't take credit for that one. That was definitely my wife, Sally, who, uh, who wrote that. And, and uh, she's hilarious. So, um, yeah, so we uh, started Just Tea um, back in 2012. I had graduated from university um, a few years before that with a focus on East African studies and international development. I'd spent some time in Uganda doing charity work there and, um, you know, talking with my father, Grayson, and, um, and my wife, Sally, about just the needs there uh, for these projects on the ground and, and just like trying to drive up this charity support, getting donations in and starting to feel a little bit, um, I guess, just frustrated and and just trying to just really wrestle with like, okay, hey, we have, all, there's so much need here. We're trying to do all these different things in different communities throughout Uganda. My dad was also doing some charity work in Kenya. And we're like, how do we get more people excited about this? Um, how do people see the impacts? Uh, and we just found like we just couldn't do enough uh, that, that, that was needed, uh, that, that these people on the ground, the local champions were trying to, um, these projects that they were trying to help uh, their community with. Um, they weren't, we weren't able to get enough funds for it. We weren't able to get the donation dollars in. Um, and so we purposely went on a trip to Kenya um, in 20, 2012, um, trying to find partners that we could work with to set up a social enterprise. So something that was more on trade versus aid um, to create some sustainable employment and, and wages. And that's how we connected with these tea farmers. We ended up living on a tea garden with uh, with a family and learned all about their joys and struggles of working with tea. And uh, we came back to Vancouver, Canada, spent uh, about a year researching, went back again to Kenya and started talking with them again. We did some trials of, of uh, what it would be to, to set up this first direct trade tea partnership with Kenya. And um, and that's how Justy was born. And so that was in about 2014. So it's uh, roughly five years now. That's so cool. And there's something that a lot of people don't know that I think is really interesting is that Kenya is actually the largest exporter of tea in the world. Do you can you tell us, like, how did that kind of come to be? Mm -hmm. So Kenya is um, relatively new, actually, in, in the tea, as a tea growing country. So they've only had tea for just over 100 years. Um, but uh, because they were a British colony, um, they had a huge demand for tea um, exports uh, to the UK. Um, and so this, this tea has been passed down generation to generation. Um, and uh, there's over half a million small scale tea farmers in Kenya. 
so it's 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 a massive. It's their, it's their number one industry, um, and they're working every day um, picking this tea, and and it's just their livelihood. Um, and they drink a whole lot of tea. Like that's how how you're always greeted in Kenya when you yes. go to someone's house. You're always greeted with a cup of hot chai, and it's just delicious yes. and uh, a great way to sit down and get to know someone. Um, but Kenya's been yeah growing tea for just over a hundred years, and um, become just a powerhouse in the industry. They're right on the equator, so it's just the perfect conditions for growing tea. It's pesticide-free, chemical-free, extremely high elevation, 2,000 meters for you Canadians, about 5,500 feet, uh, feet above sea level for you Americans. Um, and uh, so it's just really delicious, high-quality cups of tea. And now it's starting, we're trying to get the story out there because even though they're the largest exporter of black tea, no one really knows about it. And that's because the story of the farmer's not told, the story of Kenya's not told. It goes into those red rows, your Lipton tea bags that's sold as a really cheap commodity. So Just Tea's trying to change that. We're trying to present, present a whole leaf quality cup of tea. So really incredible flavors, um, really fresh, farmer direct, and then creating sustainable employment um, for farmers there and, and allowing the tea drinker to know who made that cup of tea possible. Yeah. Now, I really want to get to kind of talking about the farmers and kind of digging a little deeper into what you mentioned about kind of that sort of what we think about like Lipton tea in our, you know, the the aisles of Walmart or whatever it is. Mm. Um, but there's, you know, as you kind of alluded to, there's so much more to it than that. And it's really interesting. So I, I've been to Kenya three times and I'm going back in January for I actually well, by the time this airs, I will have come. I will, I will have returned. Um, but when I went in 2017, I actually had the opportunity to go tour a tea farm. And this was not like something that I had, you know, ever thought that I would ever want to do, but it was fascinating. And it was really interesting to hear from the tea farmers, a little bit of the history of tea in Kenya, kind of sharing what you, what you just shared, um, and how, how tea companies, you know, some of these big corporations like, you know, a, a Lipton type situation, like how they've just really cut a lot of corners to, to downgrade essentially the product and how finicky tea can be, which is really interesting. I didn't know that. Um, but it was just, it was beautiful. And like you said, it's just that really high elevation. It's very mountainous. And people, I think, that haven't been to Kenya don't realize that, of just like how mountainous Kenya is and how you have some of these areas in Kenya are just very high elevation so it can be cooler up there um, and this the tea the tea fields are just beautiful it's it's I have this one picture that I took kind of overlooking this I mean it's not it wasn't a valley but it just it almost kind of looked like one where it was just tea for you know as far as the eye could see and it was just one of the most stunning images I've ever seen, um, but how the tea industry has really grown and how so many people are employed in some way by the tea industry and how because of that, again, alluding to what you were saying, is how uh, because of they're such a large exporter and because these big corporations want the tea as cheap as possible, you know, the farmers are hurt. Um, and the environment can be hurt. Um, so share a little bit about that, about what what you guys have really done differently at Just Tea and how you guys have partnered with farmers um, to really 
connect the tea drinker to the person who grew that tea leaf? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when we first went to Kenya in 2012, um, uh, since then we've been about, uh, well, I've been about 10 times now. I go once or twice each year. Um, But when we first went there and and we started talking with tea farmers and uh, we came back and we're doing our research on the tea industry in Kenya, uh, we started reading the actual Tea Act, so the laws that govern the tea industry in Kenya. And part of it is that um, they set it up so it's just it doesn't benefit the small-scale farmer. Um, it's it's these massive factories and these corporations like Lipton and Unilever um, that are allowed to produce the tea. So small-scale tea farmers, actually, it was illegal to pick the tea and then make it into that finished product to do the processing that a factory would do. Um, and so when we first started working there, we were quite nervous that we'd get shut down right away. But um, because we established these, these really key relationships and, and in the end partnerships with these, with these farmers, and primarily in Western Kenya at the beginning, um, we were able to present you know, to the county governor and then, um, and then to the actual uh, tea board of Kenya uh, what we were trying to do. We were showing them that we're trying to diversify Kenya's offering on the world market with this new whole leaf quality tea, so much more, um, much more premium than what they were typically offering in these ground up tea bags. Um, and we are also showing them how we're telling the Kenyan story and, and we're featuring the farmers on our packaging and, and we're talking about them on social media and we're trying to put Kenya on the map. And the farmers liked it because they were earning more because there wasn't any middlemen anymore. They didn't have this factory, they didn't have the auction, the broker, the distribution warehouses, the, um, the, the tea shops in between. It was just going um, direct to the customer through Just Tea. Um, and so they actually changed the Tea Act. Uh, we, they, they, they made it legal for farmers now to set up as a small, it's called a cottage industry license. Um, so to set up this little cottage tea producing factory uh, on their own farm uh, or, or in a cooperative with other farmers in their neighborhood. Um, and so that's, that's quite recent we're, and we're super excited about that because it's creating more opportunities. Um, and, and because of the work we've been doing with our partners on the ground there, that's really shifted the opportunities now for these small scale farmers. So um, it's, uh, it's been such a journey and, um, and it's really been changing ourselves and also, also the lives of a lot of people on the ground in Kenya. Yeah, that's such a great point. And I love how you really went, you guys really partnered together to go in there and like make some serious changes that will have lasting generational effects. And I think it's an important note to kind of address is what you were saying earlier about how Kenya, you know, in the grand scheme of things, is relatively young and growing tea, you know, only for about 100 years because they're a British colony. And one of the things that we learned when we toured the tea farm is how, you know, it's, you know, for years when um, when Britain first began to, you know, basically force these Kenyan farmers, I mean, they in a lot of respects, they enslaved a lot of these Kenyan farmers to grow tea and, and pick the tea and export it to uh, to England, you know, how a lot of these farmers and, and these families, like once Kenya was no longer a British colony, like how how they've now had to kind of take that back over and how they've had to really begin, you know, empowering themselves um, 
so what I mean, can you speak to that a little bit? Like what has been your experience in, in talking with these farmers? And because a lot of these farmers like this is a, a generational thing um, that, you know, their their parents or their grandparents worked on the farm. And, and so then their kids will work on the farm. And, um, you know, farming, that's just kind of how farming is. <laughs> and really, it doesn't even matter what kind of farming is. It tends to be a family business. Um, so what what has been your experience kind of in that in that regard? Yeah, it's 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 a tough situation, uh, to be honest, for, for a lot of the small scale farmers across Kenya, whether they are um, people that uh, own their own little backyard of tea, so that one to two acres of tea or the, 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 the pickers, the tea pickers who don't actually own the land, but live on the tea plantation, which is common place in, in India as well. Um, and they work for the, the larger corporation and those factories. Um, there's just no other opportunity. And so whether they're a tea picker, that's where they live and that's where their where their kids go to school. There's a small school there. So they have their basic needs, but they have no opportunity to, to escape that, that cycle yeah. of tea picking and their kids were gonna fall into that as well unless some sort of breakthrough happens. Um, so it, it's 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 really challenging. So the the small scale farmers that we work with, um, yeah, just from from the, the the counties being divided up arbitrarily in the '60s when Kenya gained independence, and you know these 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 tribes that that are throughout Kenya um, having having issues of land uh, negotiation or, or land reclama- uh, reclamation, um, and then uh, and then this is just all they have. They just have this tea garden, and so if they if they don't have uh, if they don't have a way to pick the tea or earn enough for it. So, for instance, this year, uh, Kenya had an oversupply of tea for the world market. There was more tea that was picked by the small-scale farmers and brought to the factories and processed than, than was demanded in the, from Kenya for, in the tea industry. So the, the world just didn't need as much Kenyan tea this year. And how the industry currently is set up with these small-scale farmers is that they actually suffer from that. It's not because of the, the corporation that's selling this tea, um, because they weren't able to sell enough, they weren't able to find new markets. Um, they don't suffer for that reason, even though it is falls on them, um, uh, predominantly in my opinion. Um, what they do is is they just don't pay the farmers as much. And so the farmers only earn a portion of the amount of, of, of pay for the tea leaves that they drop off at the factory. That's how they, they're paid per kilo um, every time they drop off. So every week they drop off or every every day for a lot of them. Um, and then at the end, two times each year to coincide with the school season when the when the fees are school fees are due for their children, they receive what's called a bonus uh, from the from this, these tea buying factories. And this year, because there was a, about an 18% oversupply of tea, their bonuses are next to nothing. And so they just can't, a lot of them won't be able to afford to send their kids back to school with uniforms and books and everything. Um, so it's really a, just a bizarre system that's set up and it really does not benefit the farmer. And so what we've done is we've said this, uh, this isn't working. It's not sustainable. Um, and or we, we didn't say that. We actually that's what we heard from from our travels there. And so the, this what we've set up is actually the first small scale farmer owned. So they own everything on the ground there. We support them with loans. We support them with training on how to make their own tea. So we, we brought in uh, experts from Darjeeling and also the UK uh, to do trainings um, on processing tea and international standards. And so it's the first small-scale farmer-owned tea uh, cottage factory in Kenya, in Western Kenya. Um, 
And so that they pick the tea and they process the process it themselves, and then we buy it directly from them as a finished product. So they earn a lot more that way. Um, it's really shifting things. It, it still you know has a long journey to go, and and we're still trying to create demand because we're creating awareness at the same time as we're creating demand for this product since no one really knows about Kenyan tea even though they are the largest exporter of black tea um, so that's 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 one of the reasons why we've moved into purple tea because that is something that's completely unique to Kenya and just really exciting in the tea industry because no one's really heard of it yet yeah so that was actually gonna be my next question is that you guys are now providing customers with access to purple tea, which people are probably like, wait, what purple tea? Yes, like the leaves are purple and not like a, you know, not Barney purple, but they're they're purple. Um, you know, I don't know why Barney. You was the... must have a daughter. I do have kids, although they don't watch Barney. So I don't know why yeah. Barney purple. Was. I really have no idea why that was the first like example of, of something very purple. But um, yeah. This is very funny. Uh, now, every time you think of purple tea, you're going to think of like Barney purple. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, uh, but purple tea has like way more antioxidants than um, than green tea, and it's only forty percent of the caffeine of green tea. So, for people who are probably like what, like they might be going a little cross-eyed. What exactly does that mean, and what makes purple tea so unique and so delicious? Mm-hmm. So purple tea is uh, really exciting because it only grows in Kenya. It's uh, what's considered a cultivar of the tea family. So the scientific name of tea is Camellia sinensis. So that's the tea family. That's where all the tea bushes come from, whether they're in China or India, Sri Lanka or Kenya, wherever. They all come from the same plant. And in Kenya, they actually have a, a purple tea plant. So it is still considered tea. Um but it has these purple leaves, as you mentioned. Um, and, and just like other plants that are purple in nature that you find, purple cabbage, eggplant, blueberries, purple kale, they all contain that purple pigmentation due to an antioxidant called anthocyanins. And so those same purple superfoods, those same health benefits are also found in this purple tea. But purple tea, as you mentioned, is less than half the caffeine of green tea, 40% the caffeine of green tea. So the lowest amount of caffeine out of all the different types of tea, from black to green to oolong to white. Um, so it's just a really great healthy alternative. Um, and then it's uh, it's absolutely delicious. It's amazing. Um, and it's uh, we're excited to offer it. We're the first people to bring it to, um, to North America. And we actually won... Uh, two awards for it so far. We won Project of the Year um, in, in Canada here. Uh, so it's like the top food and beverage award uh, for the Purple Teas. And then we also won a, an award at the World Tea Expo last year. They've won numerous awards at different tea conferences in Kenya as well. And so it's starting to get some recognition and, and we're excited because it's putting the Kenyan tea farm on the map as well. So it's not just, they're not known for like this black, you know, typical commodity tea, uh, but but this really unique purple tea with these incredible health benefits. I'm going to take a quick break from my chat with Paul to thank our sponsor of the show, and that's No Issue. No Issue is the online platform for designing and ordering custom, sustainable packaging. Everything is compostable, recyclable, and the paper products are FSC certified, all for your business or brand. They have low minimum order quantities, worldwide delivery in three weeks or less for free, and an entire team of designers ready to help. 
They are making customized packaging because sustainability doesn't have to be ugly, accessible for businesses of all shapes and sizes. You can check out their work and their products at noissue.co. That's noissue.co. And you can use the code PURPOSE15 for 15% off your first order. Now back to my chat with Paul. When you have a cup of real Kenyan tea, especially when it is coupled with a fresh batch of chapati in a Kenyan home, like there is nothing more delicious. And I'm not even really like a huge tea drinker. I mean, I like tea, you know, especially like if I'm sick or if it's cold, like I would like a nice cup of tea. But like when I'm in Kenya, I drink so much tea because it's so delicious. Like it really is really flavorful. And just again, the way they serve it. I mean, I've just never had anything else like it. It's it's incredible. So I love that what you guys are doing is really like you said, it's putting it's putting these small scale farmers and it's putting these these Kenyan tea farmers on the map. And also on the tea tin. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All of our I'll have to send you one of our I I should have done this before already, Molly, but I'll send you some of our purple tea tins. Yes. There they feature all the different farmers right on the, the packaging. So I take the pictures of the farmers and get their profiles and and they're they're it's so fun because we bring after we print the packaging, we bring the tins back to Kenya to give to them and they can we bring some extra so they can give to their friends and show it to their friends and they're so excited because they're like i'm a celebrity in, in canada <laughs> or i'm a celebrity in the u.s and i have some great footage of them seeing it for the first time and it is so it's such a proud moment yeah um for them and uh, so it's just really fun and then all the tins are also they come with a hand carved kenyan wooden olive wood teaspoon um so it's just a really standout packaging um that really speaks to you know kenya's beautiful vibrant culture and and community there um and also the artisan work so we employ about 80 different carvers through these little uh teaspoons that come with each tin so it's another way that um that that we're able to just create employment uh where there wouldn't have been any before so yeah we have a lot of fun with it i love that now a fact I know about you that I really, I, I was like, I have to ask about this, is that you have taken courses in tea and you are a professional tea taster. Now, I kind of would love to know what exactly that entailed. Like, how did you become a professional tea taster? How did you take courses in tasting tea? Like, is this is this a situation? Now, I am not a fancy, I'm real not, not a fancy person. So um, if I've ever gone to like a wine tasting, Tasting, you know how they're always like, you can taste those top nodes with like a hint of raspberry. Like they, and I'm just like, I don't know. It's red and it's white. Like I don't really know what I'm tasting. Uh, is it like that, or it is, is like it? That. Oh, okay. All <laughs> but right. Not with the accent. Not with that yeah. voice. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like every tasting I've ever been to, the person's always like, if you just listen, you know, you know what I mean. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And people listening, exactly like y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. So I'm just trying to paint a mental picture for you. So, uh, yeah, t- t- talk to us about being a professional tea taster, what that what that entails. Yeah, so there are uh, lots of different courses you can take in, uh, in, in learning about in being a, a tea sommelier. So there is such a thing, right, just like wine sommeliers, beer sommeliers, coffee sommeliers. 
uh, tea as a beverage also has a sommelier program. So I've taken some courses locally here. Um, I'm tasting teas um, at least once a week of, of the, the product that we're getting from Kenya and also the different um, uh, blends that we create through those, like our Purple Rain blend, which is a really fruity, herbal, bright and lively blend. It's our tribute to Prince, so it's uh, that's why we called it Purple Rain. Um, and so we're we're always doing different what they're called tea cuppings here. So we're we're, we're tasting different teas, and um, and it's you use a lot of the same um, you know romantic tasting notes, I guess if you want to call them, uh, that you would find in the wine industry um, from you know the structure of the tea, the body to the the, the flavor and the aroma. Um, but in the end, like I'll do I'll do little classes here just uh, just at our office. I'll have little functions. Um, for local um, uh, local businesses or, or just people that are excited to taste tea. And the, the key thing is like, do you like it or do you not like it? And if you can answer that, then that's good enough. And then from there, you can be like, okay, what do you like about it? Does it remind you of anything? Is it familiar at all with the taste? And so just like slowly going, you know, just or just trying to start to think a bit more about it, then it just becomes a lot more approachable. Um, but the key thing is, is like, does it taste good to you? yes or no because it's totally up to you some things that taste amazing to me do not taste good to you molly and vice versa so um you can uh it's it's just it's just about just you know just enjoying it having fun with it but the tea is an incredible beverage because you know it's the second most widely consumed beverage after water in the world and the unlike coffee and even i would say unlike wine i might get in trouble for this but um i, I feel that like tea has the most amount of flavors on the spectrum because there's so many different unique blends out there the tea leaf itself you can process it in so many different techniques now with purple tea as its own new category as well that has a different flavor profile so really like when someone says i don't like tea i just say you know you haven't tried enough tea then because that's like saying you don't like water you don't like whatever there's so many different flavors out there that's um that there's something for everybody so um it's it's really fun uh getting people to explore the world of tea i love sending out samples to different people of just really unique flavors and and then the health benefits behind it are amazing um and so it's just one of those beverages that especially you know younger people are enjoying um because there's so little caffeine um and you you can really explore with it you can experiment so a lot of the foodies love it because it's really instagrammable and um you can show off to your friends all your knowledge and you can prepare yourself when you are going to start you know drinking wine uh you can prepare your palate so you can be able to describe uh, some of those notes that you that others might not be able to pick up yeah i would definitely 100% agree that tea has definitely the most wide range of flavors out of any any beverage because I have definitely tried teas that are everything from like fruity to uh, you know, almost like a chocolatey. I mean, they really kind of run the gamut of of different types of flavors. So, um, yeah, I, I would say that if you haven't found a tea you like, you just haven't tried enough teas. Um, there's a lot of places around here that you know, you know, you can go to kind of some fancier kind of bed and breakfasts or hotels or inns, and you can you know schedule. I have a friend who takes her daughter and she goes with her daughter and her mom to a tea tasting every time her mom comes into town. And so they go to a different bed and breakfast or they go to a different inn. And a lot of the places around here kind of source um, a lot of different fair trade teas or they have 
you know, kind of their own kind of setup there. And it's just, she said, it's just so much fun and it's so much fun to go and try these different teas. And then, of course, you get to eat cookies and like pastries <laughs> along with it. So, you know, it's just, it's fun for everyone all around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah, so one of the things that I always say to or people that are just starting to get into tea is, um, and I'll often take a friend there is just to go to like a tea shop or a tea room or a, a cafe that serves tea. And you can ask just to smell the different teas that they have. Usually they have them in canisters behind the counter. And typically if you smell something and it smells good to you, then, uh, then you'll probably enjoy the taste as well. And so usually I'll just do that just to kind of explore the aromas and, and that will kind of lead you in the right direction. Typically, if you're, if you're unsure where to start, just go to one of these places and, and just kind of follow your nose and see if you like more herbal teas or more of the black teas or the green teas and just kind of start tasting and go from there. Now, one of my favorite ways to drink tea that I did not know that I would ever love is, again, kind of the way I was introduced to it in Kenya is they add milk to their tea. And I remember the first time that I had it with milk. I mean, I realize a lot of people do this, but I I had never done it. It's certainly, I don't think, super common here in the United States. And so I remember the first time somebody was like, just try it. I was like, what? Why would you do that? And then I tried it and I was like, oh, okay. Well, this is delicious. Milk and a lot of sugar. (laughs) So much sugar. Is there a particular way you love to drink it? So the milk and the sugar um, is what I typically will recommend. Like if someone's trying to cut back their caffeine, so they're like, you know, they drink a lot of coffee. Um, I would always recommend just drinking, you know, a cup of, uh, of black tea or a breakfast blend, uh, black teas or an Earl Grey black tea. And because that will still have like about a third of a cup of the coffee, a third caffeine as a cup of coffee. So you still get that caffeine kick, but unlike coffee, you don't get a big crash afterwards. It, it has a, a compound called L-theanine, which basically acts as the anti-hero to uh, caffeine. So it just balances it out. And so you get more of a gradual incline of caffeine and then decline of caffeine. So you never get the jitters and you never get this big crash. So it's a great alternative when you're transitioning over. And so all those black teas hold milk and sugar well also. And and yeah, as you said, in Kenya, they, they, t- they basically boil a pot of water at one third tea uh, one third milk and one third sugar. Like it is a sugary, sweet, milky drink, and it is delicious. So good. Um, so good. And uh, one of the tricks I learned from Kenya or being in Kenya is that if you let that tea cool for a little bit, just like you when you cool a bowl of tomato soup, it actually gets this little like sugary skin on top. And so you can slurp that up, and whew, it is a treat. Um, but uh, I'll typically take my tea just kind of pure on its own. Um, a lot of the teas that we make, because they're not tea bag tea, it's all whole leaf ingredients. It has a really nice range of flavor, flavors, complexity, um, and you don't. It's a lot sweet on its own. You typically don't need milk and sugar. A lot of the milk and sugar teas are going to be those really um, like what Kenya. Uh, 99% of Kenyan tea, what they make is is that is that ground up tea bag tea. So when you're drinking those teas and you usually want to add milk and sugar just because it's so strong and bitter on its own. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll do it as a treat if I want to pretend like I'm back in Kenya. Some some teas I just want to have, you know, like with a little bit of almond milk and maple syrup or honey. And you can play around with it, you know, tea lattes as well, adding steamed milk, make a nice London fog with your Earl Grey. But really, there's no wrong way to do it. Um, it's it's that's, and that's why it's such a wonderful beverage. Man, that all sounds so delicious. I know. I just also just told like told 
totally made myself want to crave a cup of tea right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the que- one of the questions I really wanted to ask you is, was there something in your childhood or early adulthood that you think most led you or influenced you to what you're doing today? Huh. That's a great question. I haven't thought about that before. Um, let me just take a second here. So, like, uh, two things immediately came to mind. Uh, one thing was um, uh, just definitely throughout my studies at university, I was, I was studying political science and philosophy uh, in arts, you know, at the beginning, and I, I realized quite quickly that I didn't have much opportunity with these with this degree with this major and this minor um and uh so i just started to just take courses i just found myself really excited about and that's kind of what led me to uh, east africa originally um so i knew at that point as a university student i definitely wanted to work in the region at some capacity um i guess the but like what originally got me excited about just uh travel um and and being able to uh, work with other cultures. Um, we did a family trip when I was, I guess, probably about uh, 11 or 12 uh, to Uzbekistan. Um, and so we flew uh, through Russia and eventually got to Uzbekistan um, and spent a couple weeks there. And I got really got to see, you know, what it's like to um, be a minority in another country, which was really interesting for the first time. Because uh, in Kenya, as a, you know, as a, as a white person, you definitely uh, stand out. You glow in the dark at nighttime, and and um, and it's 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 a major shift uh, in perspective of what it's like to to, to be walking around in, in a neighborhood. And I think it's really important for people to experience that because people experience that every day here in Vancouver, Canada, for sure, and I'm sure, uh, and in a lot of places in the U.S. as well. Um, and so uh, that kind of really started to open up my eyes about what's how, how big the world is um, and, and how I don't need to stay in this bubble because um, I was born and raised in Vancouver. I don't need to stay here just in this in this city. Um, and there's a lot more to explore and a lot more impact that, that could be have uh, that could be had around the world. So I love that. And I always like to ask questions that maybe you haven't thought of before. So I'm glad that that isn't necessarily a question somebody's asked you. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, I appreciate your kind of thoughtful answer, because I think that that's something that uh, it's one of the things that always intrigues me about social entrepreneurs is a lot of times that there's something somewhere from their childhood, teenage years, adult, early adulthood that really like influenced them in a big way that they haven't necessarily made that connection, but when they kind of peel back the layers of the onion, all of a sudden they're like, oh, okay, maybe that, yeah, maybe that was it or something like that. So, mm-hmm. um, well, Paul, before we go, I want to just take an opportunity to ask you just a couple more fun, kind of a little bit more lighthearted get-to-know-you questions. So, uh, Paul, before we go, uh, is it okay if I we dive into the, uh, you know, get-to-know-you round? Yes, please. Do we? Are we going to sing a song or something? Oh I man! Like I mean, we could okay. we could like hold virtual hands and sing "Kumbaya" or or what was the theme song from Barney? Purple Barney. Uh, I love you. You That's love it. me. There, there we, we go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Question number one. You didn't think, by the way, that you were going to be talking about Barney or singing the theme song when you came on to this interview. So I'm just, I'm just like to point out that I like to keep people guessing. Um, 
Okay. Uh, well, speaking of guessing, um, this is my first question, and that is, what is something I would never guess about you? Oh, um, what is something you would never guess about me? I have a gold tooth. Really? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like a lot of you on that, but for for my daughter Cleo, she loves it. She thinks I'm like this pirate daddy because I have this <laughs> gold tooth at the back that's hidden. Um, so I just show it to her like here and there, and it's like a little pirate treasure. Um, uh, that's such a random one, though. I don't know. I have. Uh, I'm obsessed with the show Survivor. There you go. All right, Survivor. <laughs> Still, like thirty-seven. I was gonna say later. it. Like, how long has that show been on? Fifty-five years. Something Way like that? too long. Way too long. Way yeah. too long. I love it's it. It's a great escape television. <laughs> well, that. Uh, ironically leads me to my second question and uh survive not survivor uh but what makes you feel most alive uh what makes me feel most alive um either riding my bicycle uh, i ride my bicycle every morning afternoon i feel like it's a great way to start your day and unwind as well um dancing with my daughter uh, and with my wife or, or with anyone who wants to dance uh, <laughs> i really enjoy it uh and then just being on the ground in kenya for sure uh, whether we're making i'm making tea with the farmers picking tea with them or just having that hot cup of chai and chapatis with them um i really find i get a lot of energy from that i just feel like i'm in my place i'm in my zone that's where i'm supposed to be all right my last question to you is what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose we're in a business with purpose. Um, it, it means it's well, it's the why. It's it's I wouldn't be doing this business for any other reason besides the story and and the impact that we're trying to have. Um, not only in Kenya though, but also just just I I, I did a talk on this this weekend. We were at the San Francisco Tea Festival. Um, actually, there's a lot of local tea festivals around North America. I encourage you to check them out. Um, wherever you live. Um, but we were down in San Francisco for the tea festival and I was doing this talk. Um, and, uh, one of, I always end the talk with just telling people, Hey, just start asking questions about the products that you buy, whether it's the tea you drink or the coffee you drink or the, the shoes you buy, the shirt you wear. Um, where did it come from? Um, how did it get made? Who was the farm behind it? Or who was the seamstress? Um, because I, that's when it starts to matter. When, start, when people start to demand transparency, when people start to ask those questions, then things start to change. And so the purpose of, of our business is is that it's, it's, it's the people behind it, from the, the, the tea drinker who is drinking it, because not only is it delicious and healthy, but also because they want to support that farmer who made that cup of tea, uh, who picked those leaves and, and made that cup of tea possible. So, um, yeah, that's what it means to me. That is a fantastic answer. Paul, I just think what you are doing is amazing, and I cannot wait to try some of that purple tea. And I hope, I mean, I realize, again, this is going to be airing after I get back from Kenya, but, I mean, I hope that I get to even um, maybe get to see some of the farms while I'm there. It's just it's just such an amazing country, and I always tell people, like, if you have the opportunity, just go and be a tourist. The tourism industry in Kenya is amazing. Like, they're so 
hospitable. They're just such an incredible, incredible people. It's a beautiful country. You will not regret it. It will be the trip of a lifetime for you. Um, so, Paul, thank you for coming on the show. Um, now, how can, if people are like, I want to try some Just Tea, where can they buy it? Yeah, you can uh, get it on Amazon, Amazon Prime, uh, Amazon Regular. Uh, you can get it on JustTea.com. It's J-U-S-T-E-A, so just one T there. Um I can do a coupon code. Can we do a coupon code for your followers? Molly? Let's do cool? it. Let's do it. Okay. So let's do uh, Molly, M-O-L-L-Y 15. Does that work? Or do you want to call it something else? No, I think that's great. Molly 15. Let's do it. Molly 15 for 15% off. Um, so just put that in and I'll make sure it's active. And you'll get 15% off your order on justy.com. So you can try it out there. Uh, and you can reach me. I'm, I'm, I'm my, my phone's open. My email's open. My door's open. Um, you can reach me, Paul, at justy.com. Uh, the phone number's on the website there as well. If you have any questions about social business or tea, I'm happy to chat as well. Awesome. Paul, thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you for the work that you are doing. And thank you for providing delicious tea to people all around the world. <laughs> thank you, Molly. Asante sana. I want to know what you loved about this episode or something that you learned. Let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And you can use that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast. Thanks again to our sponsor of the show, No Issue. Check out noissue.co for all your sustainable, customized packaging needs and use the code PURPOSE15 for 15% off. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first-time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to check out the archives for past shows featuring so many incredible people who are changing the world with what they do for a living. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for your support week in and week out. It means the world to me. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, or wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe button. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure that you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you mind taking a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman, with support from Kelly Dalton. And the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose. Purpose.